Now, if you had to name this uh, episode, Pastor Miller, what would you name it? I would call it an out-of-body experience. (laughs) (laughs) Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is Bullhagen. This is Berg. And this is Pastor Miller. Bert Miller. Um, What am I supposed to say? (laughs) Your name. Bert. All right. This is Vicar. Is that your name? I don't have a name. I'm a Vicar. Right. That's right. His name name is 17.0. 17.0, right. Yeah. And, And Peter? Hey, Pete. All right, so this is a kind of a big episode. We have an in-studio guest. How many in-studio guests have we had? This is the first time we've actually had four people in the studio. Going off the fact that we had to scramble to get the mic working today, I would say well, this is probably the first time we've had four people, yes. Okay. Well, I'm honored. Thank you, guys. This is great. And uh, <laughs> We're glad you're here, man. We, we took on you on a, a tour of the studio. What do you think of the studio? <laughs> My goodness, it is vast and, and amazing. I mean, it's full of technological things that I just can't even imagine. Um, I don't know. I, do you have a Patreon account, you guys? Yeah. Anything like that? Okay. I, I should, I should mm-hmm. donate to that, I guess, right? You all should, everybody, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, this studio, I mean, someone's got to pay for this. Right. <laughs> It is. It's a lot of upkeep, but it's like it's like a a black project at uh, at uh, Area Fifty One or something. I don't know. Okay, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not not that awesome, but but it's still pretty cool. It's still pretty cool. (laughs) Well, you know, it is. I would say, um, if you look at the numbers, it is a top Missouri Synod podcast in the county. (laughs) (laughs) So. Tell us about yourself a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm the pastor at St. Peter and Grace Lutheran Churches in Westgate and Fayette, Iowa. I have been there now for about 10 years, and uh, before that I was in Nebraska for almost seven years. So I've been out for a while uh, as a pastor. I really enjoy it. Um, love preaching the gospel. Uh, it's, uh, my, my, uh, my greatest joy in the world is to step in the pulpit on Sunday morning. Uh, but I also have a, uh, a dear wife, uh, Kristen, and uh, three uh, beautiful and wonderful children, uh, Naomi, who is 13, Micah, who is... No, Naomi is 15. She's going to murder oh. me if she hears this. Um, uh, <laughs> Micah, who's 13, you. and uh, Rachel, who is a very precocious seven. Uh, and uh, they're, they're all great, uh, all wonderful kids, and, uh, uh, but they're all sinners. And uh, they, they, they're like their father. They need the gospel. Well, well to, to encourage you, if you keep at it, okay... Right. Someday one of your children could produce a podcast for you. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. So that's, that's uh, you know, I mean, that's what I do. Um, and you're uh, a listener to the show. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I I, uh, I actually was one of uh, the very first ones who gave you guys an email. I remember, like, uh, uh, one of your very first shows, you had the Top 12 Apostles. And I was miffed that you didn't put uh, uh, Paul in the top spot because, you know, Galatians is my, my favorite letter. And a vicar is nodding his head over here. So, I mean, he agrees with me. Um, so, uh, you know, all you Petrine guys, I can't, I can't imagine, you know. <laughs> so, so you agree with a vicar? Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take my agreement where I can get it, okay? Well, you know, that's one. That's one. <laughs> there you go. That's one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> So what 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 is your if you had a favorite moment of the show what is it Oh my um, 
well, you know, there was that moment that uh, I was driving to driving to uh, uh, preach on Sunday morning, and you guys had this really great insight on the gospel reading, and I forgot what it was, but I remembered it long enough to get to the to the sermon, and I was preaching. And I was like, I gotta put this right in there, I, and it was I went off script, and it was it was beautiful. It was just great. So I appreciate your your work on that stuff. Um, you know, you know what? It's kind of strange. We've been in the same district together. You said ten years. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know you as well I know as I Carl, should. I know, I know Pastor Bullhagen. I know, I understand. I'm, I kind of keep to myself a little bit, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, 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 an introvert at heart. But uh, um, you know, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna tax me to turn it on today a little bit for this podcast. But I'll, I'll be able to get down into my, into my uh, uh, shell uh, a little bit later. Um, like, uh, like tonight when I get home, I'm gonna spend some time in my basement. I, I also. Uh, uh, you know, one thing people might know about me a little bit is that I, I paint miniature soldiers from the, the Napoleonic Wars, and I also paint. Uh, Pastor Berg has got me into this. Uh, uh, he's got me into this uh, painting a uh, um, Warhammer forty thousand soldiers, uh, which are like from the from the fantasy future uh, sci-fi stuff, uh, the grim dark. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but Pastor Berg has this is this uh, idea that uh, he likes this uh, grim, dark stuff, and I've been I've been coming down the rabbit hole with him for that, you know, with that a little bit. It's it's been a joy. Well, I this will be perfect because we're actually going to do two episodes, and the second episode is going to feature D and D preaching, <laughs> and and the reason I say that's perfect because um, you know. I remember when we were young, they used to say that Dungeons and Dragons you shouldn't play it because it was like a like a, a gateway to satanic or something. Right, right. You had people that were supposedly uh, taking it too real and uh, going out and killing cats and people and stuff like that. Not people, right? Right, and and, and my opinion was it's kind of a gateway to being a nerd. Right? <laughs> That's what it was. That's exactly right. Now, you know, I I uh, I, I didn't play D and didn't play D and D until I got to seminary. When I when I okay. got to seminary, <laughs> we started a D and D group. The transition to nerddom was complete. Right. It was complete, right, exactly. It's, re- it's required for entrance into seminary. That is true. You do have to be kind of a nerd to go to seminary. I got to say, Berg, you, you're constantly surprising me with the, with the stuff that we are mutually uh, involved with. I know, man. Uh, I am full of surprises. I, I, I'm not necessarily very involved with the Warhammer thing, but I'm surprised that you are. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a bunch of models. I just got a, uh, a Primark model. Uh, from Forge World, so that I'm looking forward to putting together. So, and, and I think this is something that we need to understand about, you know, pastors. You know, and I think it's helpful to to talk about this a little bit because behind the collar moment, behind the collar moment, right? Okay, because pastors are real people. You know, we we uh, we have hobbies, we have uh, um, you know joys and sorrows in our lives, and and uh, and uh, we have things that we have to do in order to keep on an even keel. Like everybody needs something, right? Right. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you, you, you can talk theology all the time. Uh, uh, and it's good. I mean, I, I love talking theology, but there are times I just have to turn my mind off, you know, and, and, uh, do something to, uh, uh, just occupy time to recharge the batteries. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, you know, we, we are, People, but uh, we're working towards being fully human according to our uh, horizontal righteousness. There you go. <laughs> Inside joke between Berg and I. Moving on. We have a beverage. We do. Uh, I asked uh, Pastor Mueller to pick this up because of the, uh, uh, the D&D preaching we were going to be doing. So I had him pick up Dragon's Milk, a uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout. So Sounds delicious yeah i'm i'm sorry no it's fine it's 
I'm, I'm, I'm I, uh, the doctor. I was or... honestly only thinking about myself when I called him <laughs> about this. So I, I was happy to oblige because this is my one of my favorite beers. So yeah. All right. You know. We'll, we'll uh, crack it open. I I can't have wheat right now. Oh. So oh, I'm sorry. So you two have some work to do. Well, and I'm not sure if Vicar's old enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for passing that along here. I did. I forgot about that. I remember you. I remember that was the last show. Uh, the yeah, we had the Martian episode where I was quarantined, stuck at home eating potatoes, potatoes. by myself. <laughs> oh, that's good. Mm, that is good. I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to feel good. Mm-hmm. So, so, so explain it to me. Tell me, since I can't have it, tell me what you're experiencing right now. It is smooth, kind of milky, with little like hints of bourbon. Like mm-hmm. almost like a spicy bourbon, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going through, so creamy and yeah. smooth. Yep, that's right. And eleven uh, percent. Did I see that correctly? Uh, yeah. <laughs> These sermons are going to be fun, guys. Yeah, keep drinking. I'm going to dominate you too. <laughs> so uh, this uh, episode will be coming out on All Saints Day. So. Uh, Vicar, what is the gospel reading for All Saints Day? Now, are you on? Are you a one year or a three year? I'm a one year guy. Yep, yep. I, I made that decision because, uh, well, the guys that I wanted to study with were all one year guys, and I thought, well, you know, I should switch to and it's made, Actually, made sermon preparation easier. You know, I think what happened was it, it is uh, you wanted us to write your sermons for you <laughs> on the way to church. <laughs> That's apparently, <part> of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> so, Vicar, um, what is the gospel reading for that. Uh, gospel reading for All Saints Day is Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. So uh, we commonly know, know that as the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we should we need to read it, all of it, but basically uh, it talks about uh, the, the blessed, which is why we say it, we do it on All Saints Day, because it is a description of uh, the blessed in Christ. Did you say Berg? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to keep going with that, or do you want me to? Or was that a cue for me to jump uh, in? Jump in. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus goes up on a mountain and he sits down. Uh, that's one very big difference between uh, his day and our day. The teachers would actually sit down to teach, where and everyone else would stand. Now we stand up and everyone else sits down. Right, um, which is interesting, and it's something to to realize. And then Jesus opens his mouth and he begins to speak, right? Just like uh, Moses, and this is really a, a fulfillment of the prophecy that Moses made back in Deuteronomy that God would raise up a prophet like him from among the people, mm-hmm. right? From among your brethren, and him you shall hear. And Jesus sits down and he begins to teach them what it means to be blessed. And when we usually use the term blessed. Hashtag blessed, right? Yeah. Uh, we're usually talking about good things, right? Is that the title of your sermon? I, I want to say yes. <laughs> um, yeah. When, when we say, oh, I'm just so blessed, you know, we're talking about our kids are healthy. We got lots of money in the bank. Uh, we're feeling good. Um, we don't have uh, inflamed esophagus. Um, you know, we can bench press, you know, 450 pounds. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. Right? That's how the world thinks of being blessed. Hmm. And unfortunately, that's how most Christians think. Of being blessed. But what does it actually mean to be blessed? Jesus starts talking about people that we would not consider to be blessed. 
blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, who wants to be poor? I mean, we're Americans, right? If you're poor, you're obviously not working hard enough. Or blessed are those who mourn. Well, I mean, shouldn't Christians be happy all the time? Mm-hmm. Or blessed are the uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like, we can get behind the blessed are the peacemakers, um, but blessed are those who are persecuted? I mean, what in the world? What does that actually mean? And, and All Saints Day, um, one of the beauties of All Saints Day is is just that perspective. And what I mean by perspective is this. In this world, it looks poor in spirit. It looks mournful. It may look uh, persecuted. But in the eyes of the kingdom of God, it is blessed. It is a host arrayed in white. That's one of my favorite lines from that hymn that we will be singing today. Behold a host arrayed in, in white. Um, and now the words are going to escape me. Uh, like, on earth their work was not thought wise, but see them now in heaven's eyes, right? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a sweet hymn. I love that hymn. We sung it at my dad's funeral. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, and your your dad died this past year. Yeah, he did. He uh, he died right before the uh, the COVID thing hit. Uh, um, he uh, uh, went home to be with the Lord Jesus, and I mean, it, it's changed my whole uh, it's changed my whole world in many ways. Uh, uh, but uh, he's with the Lord, and it's a very comforting thing uh, to think about that now. You know, because uh, before he died, I was always worried about where he was. You know, what he was doing. He was suffering from a from brain tumor. You know, uh, for the past year before he died, and. I was always worried about him, what he was going to do, where he was going to be, whether he was going to get to go home from the hospital, what was going to happen to him. And now I know where he is. I know he's with the Lord Jesus. His body is waiting for the resurrection of all flesh, you know, and, and uh, I know that uh, that he is uh, he's in a place that's good and that he is home, you know, uh, with the Lord Jesus and that I can see him again someday. And I look forward to that with <laughs> with an increasing amount of my, my, uh, my joy. So, yeah. And so All Saints obviously has special meaning for you. And I, I and to the to the listener, um, if you look back to the listen back to the strange convention updates that I had <laughs> from uh, a year ago, uh, one of those actually begins with a snippet of your father's sermon that he preached. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which episode that it was one of the convention updates that I mm-hmm. are kind of weird because I would kind of put them together until one in the morning after sitting through at a convention all day. But uh, yeah, but that's where you got our uh, our approval from the synodical president too. So. <laughs> that's true. That is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but well, and I think it's very easy for us in All Saints Day, you know, to think about the blessed, right? To think about those who are in heaven, those who are free from sin, those who are free from all these things, and it's really easy to get down on our own lives mm-hmm. um, and say, "Well, I don't know if God loves me. I mean, I'm suffering." Uh, the world hates me. Um, I'm I'm poor. I am hungering and thirsting, and no one's there to feed me. I mean, this works really well for those who are in the nursing homes, uh, who have been without pastoral care now for over six months. Right today and, was and a, yet. a beautiful day for me because I actually got to go into one of those places. It was it was really nice. Yeah, I you know unfortunately you almost have to wait till somebody's dying before they let you into those places. Right. You know. Yeah. But that's the thing, is that this text shows us that, no, despite all that, despite you might, you know, even though you are mourning, Jesus says you're objectively happy. Even though you're hungering and thirsting, Jesus says that you are objectively happy. You have the reward that is given to you by grace, 
You have the reward that Jesus earned for you on the cross, uh, and this is yours now. Not mm-hmm. just in heaven, uh, but it's yours now, mm-hmm. even though you live by faith and not by sight. And as we're thankful for the saints who have gone before us who preserve the word for us, there's also then um, the idea that we're placed in that history in the sense of future generations uh, need us. Right. To... I will declare to a generation yet unborn, right? Right. Right, that as we are part of that history and part of the kingdom of God, um, future generations, it just takes one generation. Have you seen the uh, the new uh, painting by Ed Riojas, the Lutheran painter up in uh, Michigan? I don't know how new it is, but uh, it was on Facebook before I got off Facebook. So um, it was uh, uh, it was baptism, and it started with like the patriarchs and those in heaven, and then it went all the way through all the stages of life. Uh, all the way down to the little babies. It was, it was, it's a really neat and cool, um, a really neat and cool thing. Well, uh, Hannah, if you could find that, could you put it on our Facebook account? (laughs) 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 Um, so let us move on. Yeah. And, and what I wanted to talk about, have a specific theme, kind of transition from, Uh, our discussion on Saints Day, is uh, you presented at our last pastor's conference, and I was very intrigued, and I think it's a very good way to talk about a lot of issues that we deal with in the church, and and, uh, I thought uh, it'd be great to have you on to talk about it a little bit. Well, I'd love to talk about it. This is, uh, it is such an important issue, and, uh, you know, I see it, um, you know, all over the place now that I've studied, that I've studied this idea. Um... And I have to tell you that this came out of my uh, my STM studies uh, with uh, especially uh, Dr. Peter Scare uh, in our first Corinthians class that we had together, which was just just wonderful. Um, basically, what we did is we just read First Corinthians in Greek and talked about it <laughs> the entire class, which was just sweet. Uh, but um, he got me thinking about uh, the way that Paul uses the word body in First Corinthians, especially. And uh, uh, the body and the mind um, are, uh, you know, just essential things to understand as Christians. Uh, you know, we've been given the gift of a mind, and we've been given the gift of a body, and sometimes people have this weird thing that they talk about, like an out-of-body experience or something like that. I'm not trying to talk about that necessarily, but um, this, this interplay between the body and the mind is so important. And, and, and how the, the fact that... Uh, um there's a modern thought that really tries yes. to put a, a separation between the two. Right. Well, and the, the way I like to think about it is that our minds, our minds need to be informed by God's word. Um, you know, we we need to. Uh, how does that go? Um, be transformed by the renewal of your minds, Paul says. You know, be transformed by God's word and the renewal of your minds. So, like when you're listening to a sermon, your mind is being renewed. If you're listening to it, actually, right? You know, yeah. Uh, or you know, when when you're hearing God's word, your mind is being renewed by it, and that's important because uh, the way that our minds are after the fall, um, we uh, after the fall into sin, our minds are are corrupted by sin, and and they end up going off into all sorts of, uh, you know, 
flights of fancy. I mean, you read Romans chapter one, right? You know, uh, that uh, people did not uh, seek to know God as he is known um, in, in the created things. Uh, so God gave them over to uh, their, own, uh, their own minds. Oh, you got the paper there too. Thank you for giving it to me. Yeah, because I, I was, you know, I was thinking, yeah, are they going to, gonna, no, anyway, good. <laughs> um, but the, the point I'm trying to make here, though, is that our minds need to be renewed. I, and and the, the way that our minds are renewed, um, they need to be renewed so that we understand our our bodies, because what happens is there's this mind over body priority that's going on in our culture right now, where people think that they can will themselves or think themselves into being whatever they want to be. Like if I want to be a wolf, I can say I am, I am, uh, uh, I'm a wolf trapped in a in a man's body, you know. Or you well, know. you know, you can do yeah. all things through right. Christ who gives you strength. Right. Well, yeah, you know. But see, that's the point, though. God has given me a body, and and what God tells me about myself in this gift of a body is something important, right? You know, uh, He's given me uh, the body of a man, and and He's given my wife the body of a woman, and that does tell us something about you know, who we are and, uh, and what we've been given to do uh, from God. You know, and uh, I think that's so important. Um, you know, so the mind over body priority that people have nowadays basically uh, exerts itself in many ways. Um, well, one way so, that I, I, I was thinking about it when you were talking yeah. about it, I don't know, I don't remember if you actually mentioned this in the paper, but I, I was thinking of, uh, we talked some in earlier podcasts about uh, the idea of self-harm. For example, and uh, the way it was discussed was sometimes a lot of self harm comes from what's going on in the mind, in the body, not matching up, and so to try to bring some uh, uh, to harmonious ways of making the mind and the body kind of work together, self harm, whether it's body modifications or or other f- forms of self harm, where it's done uh, because there's something in their mind that's not matching their body, whether it's pain or whether it's uh, they don't know how to handle it. So self-harm becomes really an idea of the mind, the mind and the body working together. Definitely. I think that's that's certainly something that's a, that's a part of this that, that I think that uh, I didn't bring out in my paper, but I, that's, that's very astute to bring that up. Yeah. Um, basically, it's the idea that you know, if things are different from the way you think they should be in your body, you can change your body to, to make it, you know, whatever you want. And of course, self-harm, uh, one of the, you know, I, I'm going to get a little political in, politically incorrect here. I hope I can do that on this program. I think I can, you know, but I don't want to make a joke about this either, but it, it's, it's really tragic. I mean, you have these people that have gender dysphoria, you know, uh, they, they, they uh, believe that they are a, uh, a, a woman trapped in a man's body. And so they go so far as to even mutilate their bodies and take these uh, crazy uh, gender hormones that, uh, that, you know, make them have the physical characteristics of a woman when they're really a man, you know, and the same and the vice versa there as well. That's behind this as well, you know, uh, the mind over body priority. You are what you think rather than what God has made you. Uh, even at a, a young age. Even at a young age. By the way, I know, I, it, it, yeah. this show, there have been times where we, I have joked about it. I had yeah. uh, the suggestion of instead of uh, gender reveal parties because, you know, <laughs> who's to say what the gender is going to be anymore. Right. That right. they were supposed to be in a, a plumbing reveal party where you... Oh my goodness. 
Hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'm I'm offended by all this because I used to be a man trapped in a woman's body. And then I was born. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Berg. (laughs) Oh, that was good. Peter, are you okay? You're, you're, uh, (laughs) maybe I should throw the, uh, the music from the mysteries. Oh, yeah. Between, between the The X Files. Yeah. The X Files. Yeah. You know, and we, we joke about it. And that's, that's okay, I think. But, you know, there, there are, there are people that certainly suffer, you know, from this, and uh, we need to approach these situations with Christian love and charity, you know. But uh, but we also need to be very specific in saying that uh, um, this is not according to God's will. That God God willed you to be a man, and uh, therefore that's who you are. Uh, and and any time you uh, you you mess with that, there are consequences to that too. I mean, there are people that are suffering terribly from from this uh, situation, even after they've had the hormone treatments, and even after they've had all this, um, you know, the the suicide rate among people that have gone through uh, um, gender reassignment surgeries and stuff like that. I, I, anecdotally, I think you know is, is rather high. You know, and it's a terrible thing. And uh, you, but you mentioned too that yeah. this one of the things that that this bears it out, and and maybe you can explain this. Um, is on the the abortion issue. Yes. So how does this this uh, the idea of separating mind and body uh, how it affects how people understand even life itself when it comes to the unborn? And this it's, it's not just abortion, but it's it's life it's human life in general. But yes, it's certainly with abortion and euthanasia. So the the idea is that uh, um, there are bioethicists now that are that are buying into something called personhood theory. Okay, and mm-hmm. what personhood theory is is that uh, you are not fully a person until you've reached some kind of intellectual development of your mind, and whatever that intellectual development might be, whether it's complex mathematics, and if that's the case, I wouldn't fit as a person. I mean, I would not be a person, you know, in, in that, mm-hmm. in that, you know, or if it's if it's learning to speak or learning to assert yourself or something like that, and if if you're not able to do that, then you're not technically a person. You may have a human body. But the body is not important, according to these bioethicists. Um, you can take the body and do whatever you want with it, experiment on it, sell baby parts, uh, do whatever you'd like to do with it. Um, but uh, but you, know, you only become a person when you reach a certain threshold of mental activity or even um, affective activity, like, like your feelings or something like that. You know, and, and it's such a wicked thing because it, it dehumanizes um, everybody because where's the threshold? Right. It's a moving target, you know. Speaking uh, of nerd culture. Go ahead. Do you know where this distinction is used in what famous uh, science fiction book? <laughs> You're going to tell me. Um, I can't remember. Go ahead. Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh. With the Bene Gesserit when they test him, right? They make this distinction. They try to find out not if he's a person, but if he's a human. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's the thing. You know, I mean, any kind of test for your humanity that does not uh, revolve around the fact that you have a human body is going to somehow um, lead to terrible things like abortion. Um, or end, end of life issues. End of life issues. Euthanasia, right? Uh, the, the killing of the, uh, the uh, old or the infirm or those who have- uh, Or the mentally- The mentally handicapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, so it, it works on both ends. You know, if you haven't gotten to a certain point of, uh, of development, um, then you are not a person yet. 
you know, and, and your body can be used for experimentation and things like that. And if you lose the ability to mentally function, then you're not a person anymore. And you can, you can, you know, kill that person or experiment on them or whatever. You know, it's very, uh, very terrible. And, um, and if you think, listener, that this is science fiction, that this isn't happening, on, it actually right is happening right now uh, in the United States, but especially in China, where they actually put a social value to you. Yeah, that's another thing too. Um, you know, so if if you have different ideas in your mind about the uh, the government system or about uh, um, you know religion or or uh, the way to to live or something like that, uh, they can call you and say, "Well, you're not you're not a, a person. You're not socially uh, um, valuable. <laughs> you're obsolete," as the Twilight Zone would have said. Obsolete. Yeah. One of my be- one of my favorite episodes, the obsolete man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Burgess yeah. Meredith. It, it, it is a, it is a, a horrible, wicked thing. And the way the way that we Christians need to talk about this and, and to work on this is to say, you know, no, God has a value for the body. God has a goal for your body, and that goal is good, even if we can't see it and reason it out in our heads. Um, God has given you a body for a purpose, and uh, that that is a good thing in God's eyes. Even if your purpose is to sit there and to be served by uh, those that that need to take care of you, you know, even if your purpose is to be a, a small child and to to you know um, to uh, be nourished by your mother, right? You know, um, that is a, a God given thing, and it's a beautiful thing and a good thing. Um, even if we can't see a value in it in our in our hyper rational uh, minds or or whatever, yeah. Isn't it amazing how this all comes back to justification? Oh, yeah. That, that's exactly right, and that is exactly where we go, right? Because because think about it. You know, um, the Lord Jesus came as a human embryo in the womb of his mother, and he he lived a human life uh, like ours and yet without sin and uh, and he was uh, you know wickedly tortured and crucified and, and killed you know for us in our place for our sins and and his body is now risen from the dead never to die again and he is the source of our life <laughs> you know this is what's going on right now you know so he has justified us he has sanctified us he's given us this new life that's in him so and, so, so yeah go so ahead. when uh Jesus welcomes the little children. Mm. That that is a kind of a beautiful example. Uh, the, the disciples would say, "Stop bothering Jesus with these children," you know. Yeah. And, and Jesus said, "What do you mean? The <laughs> right. kingdom of God belongs to such." I think it, I think it was more like <laughs> it wasn't like, "What do you mean?" It was like, <laughs> it was like right. Peter, cut that out. Yeah, cut that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it, 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 he got indignant with them. Right. He was indig- he was he was mad at them. You know, because they, 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 they said this, you know, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. These are God's kids, you know. Um, and, and, you know, he said it in another place, right? Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the children. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have hidden this from the wise and the understanding, and you've revealed it to little children for such is your good pleasure, right? Amen. That's, that's it. So that's, how, it. that's the gospel and the Good Samaritan, by the way. Yeah. So how, how, how does... The Apostle Paul in First Corinthians then start to address this. Now, was yeah. that that was an issue that he was addressing specifically the church right. at Corinth? 
somehow, wasn't it? Yes, because you did have people in the Church of Corinth, especially in sexual issues, which is we haven't really talked about yet, um, but uh, people in Corinth uh, with especially s- sexual issues were um, treating their bodies as if they didn't matter, okay? You know, uh, you had people thinking that it was okay uh, to, you know, uh, go to the Temple of Zeus on Friday and uh, um, partake of the uh, temple prostitutes there, and then uh, go to church on Sunday and partake of the Lord's Supper. You know, and you have to understand, I mean, um, temple worship back in uh, the ancient days, I'm not talking about the temple in Judea, of course, you know, but I'm talking about the temple that, uh, you know, temples that were all throughout the ancient world. Uh, they're basically a smorgasbord of, of uh, prostitution. Uh, that's the idea, you know, you, you, would, you would get the, uh, uh, the god or the goddess to uh, favor you by engaging in sexual acts. So there's like a menu on the, the temple wall basically saying, I'll, I'll have that practice or that practice. People thought that was okay. And Paul has to come and say, no, it's not okay. And to take a listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, the, the Corinthian, uh, in chapter 6, verse 12, uh, Paul's responding to a Corinthian debater. Um, he says, all things are lawful for me. Actually, that's what the debater said. The, the Corinthians were saying, all things are lawful for me. And you hear people say that today. I can do whatever I like, right? But then Paul says, but not all things are helpful. And then, and then the Corinthian debater says again, all things are lawful for me. But then Paul says, but I will not be enslaved by anything. And actually the word there is overpowered. Um, I will not be overpowered by anything. It's like Paul is saying, the things that you think are giving you power are actually overpowering you, you know. I, I, I J.P. Kaler says it the best that way, where he talks about, you know, the people who are acting this way, who th- who say, all things are lawful for me, they're still under the law. Yeah. The law of their own appetite. That's right. That's exactly right. And th- that's part of Paul's point here, too. I, I, talk, I talked about that a little, too, in, in Bible study, because people say, well, they like to use the excuse, well, we live in a different time now, and they say, well, we should have different stand." try to explain different standards because we're, um, you know, Paul, they think that Paul was dealing with a more conservative time somehow, which is, it was bizarre. But, and I, and I mentioned this way in Bible study, I said, Paul had to actively tell his people not to go to orgies. Right. And right. not marry your mother. Yeah, that too. That too. That was in First Corinthians seven. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So if you think, because, if you think that uh, what, what Paul was preaching uh, to, to these First Christians and these people is infinitely more radical to their right. current well, society than what we. It's like what where we get the name gymnasium from, <laughs> gymnos, which means naked, right. because they were playing all their sports in the nude. Hmm. You know, it's like this was not a very, a, by our standards, this is a very racy society. Definitely. Definitely. But I want to go on here a little bit here because you, t- you talk about— I, I digress. It's, I it's fine. Digress. It's fine. I'm, I'm no. like a con- confirmation student. You, you were talking about appetite, <laughs> and that's that's where the Corinthian debater goes next. This guy that Paul is debating against, you know, he says, Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. That was the that was the idea, you know. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, you know. And, and God's going to destroy the body anyway, so I can do whatever I want with it. That was the idea. But Paul comes back and says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, 
the word there is porneia in the Greek. You know, that's uh, any kind of sexual intercourse that is outside of the marriage of one man and one woman. You know, we have to say it all like that now because, I mean, <laughs> because there's so much going on now that that's, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, porneia. Uh, but uh, the, the point is that um, the Corinthian debater thought that he could do whatever he wanted with his body, and he used this argument, I can eat whatever I want, but that means actually I can have sex with whomever I want. I can do whatever I want with my body, and it doesn't matter what I do with my body. But Paul says, no, the Lord has your body. The, the body is meant for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And this, this, uh, this plays into everything from homosexuality to uh, transgender issues to, um, uh, you know, uh, to... How we treat our bodies after death. Maybe? How we treat our bodies after death, definitely, definitely. Uh, I was also thinking, uh, um, you know, to, uh, oh, man, I had an idea. Oh, pornography, too. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. this it's, it's so multifaceted, this this whole idea of this body that the Lord has given us, and, it, and, and our bodies are meant for the Lord. Uh, now, you know, of course, we need to approach every situation like this with uh, Christian care and concern. You know, if anybody is... Uh, suffering from, uh, from, or maybe even not suffering from it anymore, but uh, it has just gone whole hog into it, uh, to gender dysphoria or to uh, uh, homosexual I- ideation or ideas or things like that. Um, if anybody's gone into that... Or, uh, or even you, meant, you mentioned por- pornography. That pornography. is very much a, an addiction. Definitely, definitely. We need to treat all of this with pastoral care and concern. Uh, we need to... Uh, because Paul does. Yes, because Paul does. Right, exactly. And, and uh, you know, he, he holds forth the grace of God. I mean, he talks about this in, uh, in chapter 6, in the beginning of the chapter, where he says, you know, uh, do not be deceived. Um, you know, those who are sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, and by the way, there are two words for that there in, in the Greek, and the two words are uh, basically the one who is dominant and the one who is, who is submissive in, this, in the sexual act. Uh, that uh, um, such who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, so the Apostle Paul in his congregation there in Corinth had people who had gone into these things and had been a part of these things, and it was, it was rampant in the culture, but, but Paul reminds them, you were this way, but now you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been cleansed by, by, by the grace of God. And I would encourage anybody who's struggling with these things or who, who wonders about these things to come to their pastor and to talk to them and, and say, hey, you know, I need, I need the grace of God that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I need this forgiveness of sins uh, for my sins, and I need, I need the strength uh, to live a godly life. You know, please help me with this. You know, and your pastor, um, he's, uh, he's bound by the vow of the confessional not to divulge sins confessed to him. And if he does, you should ride him out of town on a rail and tar and feather him, right? You know, Amen. Yeah, you know, and and so he should he should listen to this confession and uh, and forgive you, and and point you to the grace of God, and so so go and receive that, go and receive that. But yeah, that's what Paul was dealing with in, in Corinth. You know, it's a serious stuff. So you talked about some parts of First Corinthians. Where is one of the best places in First Corinthians to go to learn more about the body? Good. I would say 1 Corinthians 6 is great, but then I think the, uh, the other place is uh, chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 is where Paul talks about uh, the body uh, being the body of Christ. I don't want to skip over chapter 11, though, because there we have this great discussion of the fact that uh, in the Lord's Supper, 
the Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go uh, Professor Nagel on you guys a little bit. I know Professor Nagel. You guys ever heard of Professor Nagel? Yeah. Yes. Okay. This where the Lord. I'm, I'm going I'm to give my best Nagel impression. The Lord bodies and bloods us together. Uh, for some in, reason, in whenever Supper. he, sp- I heard him. I didn't have him as a professor, but I yeah. heard him speak. And for some reason, whenever he talked. I always imagined him saying, "Welcome to the land of Narnia." <laughs> yes. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's 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 fair. That's fair. But you know, in the Lord's Supper, I mean, the Lord bodies and bloods us together into a fellowship that is that is deeper than blood. It is it is uh, more amazing than uh, than anything else. We are together in our in our in our Christian faith with brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, and this is stronger than anything else in the whole world. It's going to outlast everything else that uh, that we think draws us together. You know, um, and, and when he refers to the Lord's Supper there and recognizing the body, this the sacrament of the altar and the Lord's Supper is not just a mind thing. Right. It's not just an right. idea. It, it is a connection with the very body and blood of Christ, which right. encompasses both the idea, the mind process, and the body that is received, right. and also joined together as the, the people are the body of Christ. And there our minds are renewed by God's word, and we, we believe that here he's giving us himself for the forgiveness of our sins and for the strengthening of our faith. It's such a, such a beautiful thing. And yes, and, and then in 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the fact that we are the body of Christ, that we don't need to say, well, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, or because I'm not an ear, I'm not a part of the body. You know, but no, God has arranged us in this way uh, so that uh, um, He might uh, have us as as His people. You know, so He put us together in this body, uh, and it's not that one is more important than another, but it's that we are all together in this body of Christ. Yeah. So, as a circuit visitor, <laughs> where would you use that First uh, Corinthians twelve text? Oh man, in uh, you know, in your uh, circuit visitorship. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been a circuit visitor for more than three years, so I have no idea what you're at, what you're getting at. But it's good. Well, no, no, I've been a circuit visitor for over ten years. I don't know what he's okay, talking so, about. Well, well, <laughs> you were a circuit visitor before there were visitors. <laughs> <laughs> but but think yeah. about it this way, right? Yeah. Um, Go ahead. It's it's great to talk about this in the sense that when you have a congregation that's ripping itself apart, oh, yes. like the Corinthian congregation, where there are mm. factions and when where there are, you know, um, it, it seems especially prudent to take them through this chapter of Holy Scripture. Sure, yeah, where, definitely. Where uh, Jesus, through Paul, teaches us what the church actually is. Yeah. And where everybody kind of fits in. Yeah, that's great. And thankfully, I haven't had to deal with that yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that would be a go-to passage, that's for sure, you know, to, to speak about the body of Christ being together. Yeah, definitely. Then I, I want to talk about 1 Corinthians 15 for a second, though, too, because there Paul just goes full force with this idea, uh, that this, this marvelous gospel that the Lord is going to raise our bodies, you know, that there's going to be, uh, what, what do they call it? Um, there's going to be transformation, but continuity, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So what I mean by that is, you know, our bodies are going to be raised and transformed, but they're going to still be the same bodies, the same bodies. So that's a good thing. Just as our Lord Jesus, right? Yes. He still bears the wounds of his crucifixion. Right, right, definitely. And, and that, that, what, what's nice about it, too, is there's a balance there because he talks about what is sown yes. in perishable or in dishonor is raised 
in glory. Yes. In glory. So, yeah. so, so, in the one sense, our bodies are valuable, <laughs> but they're fallen, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and so we don't. While we we have this connection of mind and body, we don't make the body even greater on this earth than we would like to. Like our body is everything. Yeah, you know, uh, Pastor Bull here. I started lifting a little bit. You know, I started uh, doing a little bit of exercise. You know, and, and I got a little. Oh, look bit at that! A, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't think I have law and welcome, gospel yet. But, welcome uh, to the gun show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, been but yeah, playing and banging. Huh? Right, exactly. But that that does not uh, that does not you know mean that uh, that I am uh, um, somehow you know uh, spiritually ahead of any other person, right? You know, it's not about that. But it's it's uh, you're right. It's it's uh, it's this. Uh, the point that we we are enfleshed, and and yet this flesh has fallen, and we can't save ourselves by it. To use the know? language of, yeah. of another presenter, that is uh, is uh, the idea of beauty. We are beauty. Our bodies are beautiful, not by the necessarily the aesthetic qualities that uh, we might want to place on it, but but by how it's defined by the Lord. Right, right. Pastor Poise did a great job with that presentation about beauty. That's for sure. I don't know. I think I'm pretty good looking, but <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, you know, you have a beautiful wife, and I'm sure that she thinks you're good looking. That's good. I, I don't yeah. think I do. But, but yeah, you, you have a, you have, your your face is perfect for I a podcast. Have a great, I have a great personality. <laughs> um, but you know what they used to call cemeteries in German? Gottesacker. Yeah, God's field. God's field. Right. Yeah. That actually, when people die, we plant them in the ground like seed. Mm-hmm. And we wait for them to rise again in the resurrection, which is a perfect thing to preach on this time of year, especially as harvest is going on, as uh, people are ending, you know, and this is what the resurrection of the dead is going to look like. Right. Right. I, I I marvel every time I get to go to a cemetery and I think about that. You know, that's going to be uh, a great day, you know. And the word cemetery means a sleeping place. Right. Right. You know, re- reflecting the words of Jesus, right? You know, um, when uh, he comes into to, uh, the little girl who had just died, Jairus' daughter, you know, he says, uh, she's only sleeping, right? You know, and, and of course he knows that she has died, but he, he likens death to a sleep so that we might know, uh, as Martin Luther says, that we're going to sleep lighter in our graves than we sleep in our beds. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but you know I have to push the snooze button at least three times, even on Sunday mornings. You know, <laughs> but uh, that's why I set my alarm for like five o'clock in the morning so I can actually get up in time. You know, uh, to to catch you know the, the, the this great podcast. You know, <laughs> as I'm driving to church on Sunday. <laughs> so we morning. could write your sermon so for you. Write, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, uh, the thing is, though, is that the Lord Jesus, He'll just call us once. He'll just say, Bert, you know, Bullhagen, Berg, Vicar. Uh, you won't be known as Vicar then, will you? You know, I hope not. Yeah. Well, Peter, if he survives you know, this yeah. year, if he doesn't survive this year, he will be eternally Vicar. <laughs> He's Barry, he'll, and he'll you eternally know, bear the marks of vicarage. You know. Yes. Vicar doesn't we'll say much, but he participates a lot by his laughter. He's, he's uh, having a good time here. It'd be easier if I could hear what was happening. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, as John Dunn says, right? One short sleep and we wake eternally. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So you'll sleep lighter in your grave than you will in your in your bed. You know, and Jesus raises the dead with a word. So we have uh we have about uh oh about ten minutes or fifteen minutes left. Um I would like to finish with something that bothers Berg. Is this of a course, good time? Of course you would. <laughs> yes. Oh hey, uh if they have any questions about uh Pastor Mueller's presentation about what he's talked about here. Vicar, where can they reach us? 
You can reach us by our email at feedback at clericalerrors.org. At, um, me, at me, bro. Oh, that's email. Never mind. Yeah. Peter, take that out. <laughs> on Facebook, uh, <laughs> yeah, facebook.com slash clericalerrorspodcast. And on at me, Twitter, <laughs> at clericalerrorsp. At me, bro. P for podcast. There we go. At me, bro. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Peter, you were excited about... Uh, you think you found a news article. Oh, by the way, you need to say something before we get into it. We're going to go news that bothers Berg. News that bothers Berg. <laughs> Peter, play the intro. <laughs> play it, Peter. Do it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do listen to your show. I just forget all these great jokes you guys have. Go ahead. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. So what, what'd you find, Peter? I have a news article from the Digital Journal. It's everywhere, though. Teen, one step from becoming first millennial saint. Oh, my gosh. A British-born Italian teenager who dedicated his short life to spreading the faith online and helping the poor was beautified by the Catholic Church Saturday. Internet and computer-mad youngster Carlo Acutis, who died of leukemia in 2006, aged 15, was placed on the path to sainthood after the Vatican ruled he had miraculously saved another boy's life. I I, I sure hope he wasn't on Twitter. If he was on Twitter, it's done. (laughs) (laughs) You mean he's Uh, not going to get a sainthood if he's on Twitter? Because, you know, they'll come and dox him, right? Well, you know, that'll be what the... uh, the uh, devil's advocate brings up. He was on Twitter, right? Well, not, speaking not of even... a father who has his his youngest, the only one teenager left out of the four children, I think all of them were one step away from sainthood at one point. <laughs> one, one step away, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> one step away from that eternal reward. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So so. so uh, the, uh... The Vatican claims he interceded from heaven in 2013 to cure a Brazilian boy suffering from a rare pancreatic disease. Uh, Octuus, dubbed the Cyber Apostle of the Eucharist, was born in London to Italian parents and moved to Milan with them as a young boy. The Cyber Apostle of the Eucharist. Oh, my God. That sounds like some weird... Yeah, that sounds... It, it sounds like something from a Walter M. Miller uh, book. Yeah, exactly. You know? Sounds like Vicar's Twitter handle. <laughs> Oh, man. He was considered to be a computer genius, but what did he do? He didn't use these media to chat, comma, have fun, his mother said in an interview. Instead, his zeal for the Lord drove him to make a website on miracles, she said. Oh, my. What was he wearing? It was, uh, he was lying in state in something. I go down a little more. Dressed in a tracksuit and trainers. <laughs> so can we talk about what this this kid did? He made a website. That's what no, he did. No, he also healed someone of pancreatic cancer from the dead, Peter. Right, but like you have to start from like being prolific in life, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he was. Wait, 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 wait. He was I, the cyber apostle for the Eucharist. So, all right, I mean, all right. Speaking, okay. I just need to. Wait, wait. We we don't do we don't do online communion, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, he was way ahead of his time. But the, what I'm getting from this, Peter, is is uh, 
you need to you step your game up. I mean, this kid was only 15. Oh, I I think I think that uh, or or Peter. I, he, I think Peter is probably what we call a living saint. Yeah, that's right. Because you know he has to put up with this. All I of mean, this. I mean, I am I am the producer for the most. I mean, I'm surprised his tears. I'm surprised his tears don't cure cancer already. <laughs> hey, so like like guys, why 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 this whole mess with the saints? I mean, you know, doesn't Paul begin every letter to the saints who are in Corinth, to the saints who are in Rome, to the saints who are in does he begin Galatians that way? I can't remember. You know, the the whole Roman Catholic idea of who a saint is is. Does it bother you, Berg? It super bothers me, actually. All right, good. It it's crazy because, uh, I mean, it just goes to show their their wretched workmongering is what it is. It's their wretched workmongering manifesting itself that the rest of us are going to have to go and spend all this time in purgatory. Because we obviously, our faith wasn't uh, formed enough by love, and we're not even getting in. The Hindu is going to get in, but you know we're not because we deny papal infallibility so and supremacy. And so, uh, you know, it it right. sh- <sighs> bothers you to know. So, the, so to explain the whole idea of sainthood to, listen, to the listener a little bit, right? The way it is, it's the way I the way it helps me is imagine it takes like a certain amount of money in your bank account to get into heaven, right? And so uh, if you die and you don't quite make it, what do you do? You you pay the rest off in purgatory. But you have certain people like this like cyber, interest mortgage. cyber computer genius yes. who had so many goods work. He's like, the, like a Bill Gates of good works. And so... I mean, just think of how much tweeting he would have had to do to get in, you know. I mean, the rest of the saints, like, lived on, on a pillar for 30 years. I mean, how many tweets was this kid sending out an hour? <laughs> yeah, so he's... I mean, either that a... or the standards have really gone down. It's like, boy, they'll just let anybody into this place. Yeah, it's like it's like your bank, right? I mean, your bank will give you a loan for anything now? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so the saints, and and they don't call it works, they call it grace they're full of grace that they are able to then give that and dole that out to other people um the grace which they then have earned right by their good works and so you can do things like have if you you can have mass for someone who's already dead so that you can in a sense add to their GoFundMe program to go to heaven. You know, there was some Spanish priest who figured out that the average person was going to spend like 15,000 years in purgatory. Oh. Because you think about it, every sin is 15 years. So let's just say you go and you get drunk on the weekend, right? And it's a mortal sin. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know. It was a great weekend though, man. (laughs) And then, so you start counting up all that stuff, right? And I mean, at the end of your life, I mean, you're in deep trouble, right? That's why uh, um, even Luther's elector, Frederick the Wise, he had so many relics that he would obviously charge money for. But if you went in and saw them all, you would get 1.2 million years off of purgatory. Wow. What's what's interesting about this as well, then, is is when people hear about it, a lot of people think that these teachings in the Catholic Church are antiquated. That they don't really kind of believe that anymore. You know, they, you know what I'm saying? But they seriously that they, they've do. moved on from that. You know, they're they they're more like do. us now. And uh, 
No, guys, the Pope is still the Antichrist. The only thing we've known is they've lowered their standards. (laughs) So, yes. But that being said, he's probably a nice guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he would have, you know... If you would have been there in, in what where was he from? London or Italy or somewhere? He was born in London and then they moved to Milan when he was a young boy. You met him on the street, he'd probably ignore you like the rest I of the I thought he was street. from Brazil. You know, or he healed Super someone nice from Yeah, he healed somebody from Brazil. So Yeah, but that that's post mortem. I mean, how do you know really? I mean, who gave him the feels to know that he was healed <laughs> by this guy? I'm sorry, it was, I, the I'm, burn, I'm, it was the burning in the bosom. I'm kinda skeptical about that kind of stuff. I don't know about you guys. But I you think would... they say at some point that he they prayed to him and then he was healed. Oh, they prayed to him. Oh. Mm. I think about how many people how many uh how many uh teenagers they had to pray for before the one that would cure him of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> how long did they? Yeah. How, how long did they wait before yeah. each one? You know, yeah. There was, was, really there was some uh, some average middle infield <laughs> soccer player that was like, no, that guy didn't do it for me. I mean, I you know, I've had uh, sinus could... problems lately. Which saint do I pray to for toothaches? Uh, is that uh, um, is that Anthony what, or I thought it was uh, um, Saint Recroy or something like that. I don't know what is or Apollyanna, right? Yeah, Apollyanna, right? Because that, that's what Luther the, says. Yeah, right? because that's mentioned in in uh, Luther's large catechism, Definitely. which you should all read. Everybody which is should. Amazing. Right now, after the podcast, do it. Do it. Pause right now. Listen to the rest of the program afterward. It's only gonna be about five minutes, but then you, you'll 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 know. It's good stuff. Sorry. <laughs> this is Bert taking over the podcast. Sorry, guys. I'll just I'll well. Be quiet speaking the of uh, another nerd thing. Um, you know, there's this uh, uh, short story called Good News from the Vatican, where they elect a robot pope. <laughs> so, you know. Man, I wish I was drinking what you're drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this concludes this episode. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode, uh, where... Uh, um, uh, Pastor Miller will be joining us again, right? Yep, yep, I'll be here. He'll, he's yep. going to make the drive all the way over again. Right back. You know, I just love it so much. I'll be right back. And uh, we'll do a little D&D preaching. So. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Clerical Heirs Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. Oh, that's me. I, I'm I'm Bert. I'm Vicar. Th- thank you for listening, and... May your saints be verified on Twitter. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at p for podcast, or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.